Hey, welcome to the Board Box Extras podcast. This is another episode of our weekly recording of 20 Minutes of Boredom with Board and myself, Subtle Rebuttal. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Board. Hey, Subtle. So, um, it seems the Board Ape Yacht Club dropped a new game trailer and a game that's coming out in about a week or so called Heavy Metal Forge. Think the people might want to know. What are you thinking? How, how are you feeling? And uh, if you don't mind, maybe give them a quick summary of kind of what the situation is there. Definitely a fun trailer to watch. Yeah. So what what led us here? Um, I think it was at this point, almost a year ago, where we got a glimpse of the other side, which is a fully immersive environment where lots of people, like thousands and thousands of people, can basically simultaneously play in a virtual environment. Think Fortnite, etc. And then the the Yuga team teased other other games that were in development. Uh, Legend of Mara is one of them. We saw one actually come out for a limited amount of time, which was Dookie Dash, which was kind of like this endless runner type game. And then they recently teased um, the other day uh, what looks like a pure strategy game, kind of an overhead movement, trading, land building type of game called Heavy Metal Forge. And this is... Um, a tie-in to a recent collection, a recent NFT collection uh, that they put out for for Mechas. So not a lot of details really in terms of gameplay. I think that a lot of people will recognize the style, um, kind of that that overhead isometric mm-hmm. look, um, you know, gr- like moving across a grid. If you've played games like Advanced Wars or Into the Breach or from a Web3 perspective, like Voxy Tactics, Definitely has that kind of a vibe to it. Um, but yeah, pretty unclear what the actual gameplay looks like, how it's unique from other games in, in that genre. Um, from a look and feel, you know, it's kind of cartoony, fun, whimsical. Um, a lot of people from Yuga have have uh, teased that there's a lot more information coming. So, you know, it's, it's basically hard to judge. I think the reactions, from what I can tell, um, were mixed because... Um, the first, the first exposure I think that people got to gaming uh, in the Yuga universe was was Other Side, which was definitely uh, a very high caliber experience. And so I think that from an expectation setting perspective, um, you know, people maybe were not necessarily thinking that this this next game teaser would be uh, at this level, graphically speaking. I'm I'm not somebody who really believes like a game has to be absolutely stunning and beautiful and realistic to be fun. Um, but I do think that it would have been good for Yuga to maybe share a bit more in terms of what people should expect to see before they re- release that trailer. And also because it's a brand new franchise, um, just give a bit more context. So I think that's why you saw mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. I personally, and I'm curious to get your take on it, on it, but personally, I do like strategy games a lot more than, you know, kind of the fast finger Twitch reflex stuff like Dookie Dash was cool, but I was never going to be able to compete because it just requires like really, really fast movement. Mm-hmm. So I do like the idea of a strategy game and I'm curious to learn more about this one. Um, yeah. Subtle, any, any, any initial thoughts from you? Well, first I need to perpetuate the idea that you are just a floating AI head, um, which lack of hands makes it difficult for quick twitch games for you. Um, I think it's important that people remember that. Um, yeah, I think, you know, on a more serious note with Yuga, I, I think the go-to-market here is tricky because it's the IP of Yuga that's doing all the work. 
Like, it doesn't seem to me that the game mechanics here are going to be revolutionary, but, you know, that's the case for the vast majority of games and particularly successful games is they usually don't invent a genre. They take a genre and they apply story to it that is compelling. Um, it's also why, you know, pretty basic strategy games can be really compelling if you start to build some fun storylines over the top. So I think it'll be a question of can they, you know, they, they essentially the full story of the apes, right? They, they kind of bootstrap this, this IP becoming important. Um, candidly, I honestly always was betting on Yuga was going to work its way towards a luxury branding type of approach and try to be in the, the league of the Louis Vuittons of the world. Um, but by applying it to gaming, it's more of an attempt to take, you know, something like the Harry Potter books and expand the universe and bring more ways to experience some of the story. So I think they just have to deliver on narrative and story and, and it should be a pretty good game because they do have a built-in audience. Um, there is, you know, for lack of, the, the reality is, is I think that that built-in audience and, and, and folks who are definitely going to give it a go is a really good starting point for any game to be working with. And I think, you know, for them, that audience plus IP combo, I think that's the magic here and not the game itself. Um, you just have to make sure they weave it properly so that game mechanic is, um, is able to just to be fun, but, you know, in the storytelling aspect of um, the universe you're just trying to build. So I don't know. I, I, that's yeah. kind of how I feel about it. I don't know. If, it feels almost like more of an IP play, kind of like when like we you, you see a game come out that's themed after Harry Potter, or you see a game come out that's themed after um, the Pokemon universe. I think yeah. I mean, I think recently you've definitely seen um, what started as a movie or a TV show turned into a game, and the quality has been better. I would say traditionally, the challenge with like you know, leveraging the IP too much and then going with a game is the game still does need to be of quality. And there have been some really terrible um, mm-hmm. video game versions of, of movies like Space Jam game, Transformers, Fight Club. Like these were all turned into video games that started as like, you know, can we, IP. Can we just pause on Space Jam game for a second? All uh-huh. you had to do was take NBA Jam and add three teams made of characters from that movie and you were golden. That's all you had to do. Add yourself to the NBA Jam franchise. It's all you had to do, Space Jam. Sorry, go ahead. No, and, and I mean that—that that is basically what the game is. Like it is NBA Jam. It's just not built well, um, and and that makes sense, right? Because like all the money went into making the movie, and then the game was just like a marketing ploy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had a very tiny budget, so it was just janky. Um, I'm trying to think of an example where something started as a movie. I mean, I guess the, the recent Harry Potter game was pretty phenomenal, mm-hmm. um, but that is that is after like decades and decades of investment and building up the franchise with things outside of the movie um, and yep. book. So, so that worked out. But I, I will say, like back to your point, um, Yuga's not going to be able to ride the love for the IP enough to make this this game a success. It will need to be fun for those who don't own the NFTs. And and that's just the test that we're going to see play out. Um, and it could it, it could very well be a very fun game, but it will be stacked up against you know kind of web two traditional video games in the same genre um, that don't have a very expensive price of entry via a, a luxury NFT. So that's I mean, that's going to be the test. It could be a it, it could also just be uh, another one of these weird combo luxury plays where they don't let a lot of people play it, require an expensive price of entry and because yeah. it's expensive to access playing it, it becomes simply a flex to have video of you playing it. And that's actually what they're selling is 
again, a digital luxury good, which is proof of I'm really cool. I can, I can play this game because I have whatever the required access point is or I could afford it. Um, which is interesting because I feel like that's kind of how Dookie Dash played out, which is they didn't reinvent the genre uh, per se. The game was fun because they didn't try to reinvent much, but the game was also played by a very select group of people mm-hmm. based on a high price of entry. Um, and the apes themselves were already self-selected based off of this high price of entry or high influence level. Yeah. So I, I think there's something to, you know, maybe they are still executing. I mean, we talked last week about luxury goods in games. Uh, Yuga might be executing like the country club model for video games where like, Hey, it's a hundred grand to join. Uh, but once you're in here, there's this really fun game called golf that we really hope you really like, <laughs> uh, that you can play and it looks way better than it actually is because it's definitely gated from people being able to access it. I say this as somebody who's a member of Link's and happily plays golf all the time, but the country club dynamic can be a little, can be its own kind of business model, just the access piece. So I, yeah. I don't know, there, there might be something to that too, which might mean that this never really was a, a mass market game. We may be at the beginning of some new category of like prestige gaming, where the fact that you are in playing in the game is the point, not yeah. the quality of the game. Yeah, and I, I think that that could make sense. I I do think though that, um, you know, in terms of like the the game's marketing playbook, uh, yeah. if if that's the route you're going to take, then maybe just wait for the game to be live and then bring in your elite small group of mm-hmm. players to play it and talk about it and enjoy it versus show a trailer that you know doesn't necessarily follow the formula of like a brand new game launching which is here's the story and here's the type of game it is and it it just was missing a lot of that and it still looked like it was meant to be a mass appeal trailer and so i don't i don't think it succeeded in doing what you're proposing and i don't think it succeeded in doing what a typical game is proposing and that's probably why you have mixed reviews right now yeah, if you're going to go prestige gaming, you need it to be a flex to show that you're playing the game, which also means the game itself yep. needs to have uh, mechanics for sharing that are elevated. And also, frankly, it's not cool to play a game if half the community that you think is who you influence tells you it doesn't look that interesting. Because for a lot of people, they may never play it if, it, if they do go this prestige route. We'll see. They, they did the keys with Dookie Dash. That's not necessarily the case here. We haven't learned that yet, so... Stay tuned. Um, but uh, I think uh, our current take is we're interested to see how this plays out. I, I think, you know, those strategy games can be a lot of fun. So definitely don't no hatred on that genre. That's a lot of fun. But uh, figuring out how to do it right can be can be tricky. And I think as you and I have learned uh, quite a bit bored uh, in Web3 over these last couple of years, but then even more so with all the time you've spent in the gaming industry, building a game that's fun and getting people to actually come and play it are two different tasks. Indeed. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, how they, how they approach the second one. Cause they've got a lot of advantages. Um, big they definitely have a good head start, and it's up yeah. to them to, to prove that they can retain those players. Um, cool. so, so yeah. So uh, on the topic of uh, prestige gaming, I guess <laughs> uh, Nike and Fortnite partnered on creating an experience. Uh, it looks like that news came out just this week. Board, can you kind of walk people through that and um, share kind of your early thoughts? Yeah, so this I, I think this is um, a more advanced version of what we discussed last week. Um, for, for anyone who didn't listen, we talked a little bit about the announcement from Louis Vuitton and uh, how they're, they're basically going to leverage the um, Unreal Engine and Epic Games to build a virtual environment for 
you know, some sort of luxury experience. And we talked about how that probably isn't really going to be gaming related. Um, Nike uh, basically acquired a, a, a large and well-known or a popular NFT project called Artifact and switched that uh, to be a division of, of the Nike brand called Dot Swoosh. And Dot Swoosh is, is basically supposed to be all about virtual experiences. And so they announced earlier this week that um, they are going to integrate with Fortnite. And a lot of people are excited about this because it's a giant brand, Nike, um, that has this Web3, even though they don't call it that, but this Web3 component um, that's now going to have you know some sort of integration inside of one of the biggest games in the world. Um, and so just to kind of like, not, not to go into the, the nitty gritty details, but, but generally the idea is if you have a dot swoosh account, you can go into Fortnite, you can play a specific, um, Island or, you know, basically like people can create little mini worlds. So it's not like the main Fortnite game, but you can kind of zap over to specific, um, environments that have been built by users and play inside of them. And so Nike worked together with Epic to create this, this virtual experience where it's not, you know, it's not just like shopping. It is actually a game where you can run around and jump and like compete. So kudos to them for, for doing, you know, doing something like this. And I think that the reason people in web three are excited is because it's finally providing a much more clear link between your kind of web three identity or a web three identity and a game. So you can basically, take your Epic ID, log into your .swoosh account, uh, bring things from your Fortnite game into your .swoosh account and like, you know, get points and accrue status and all these things. What isn't present, as far as I can tell, um, you're not necessarily bringing your like your Nike Web3 items into Fortnite, the game proper, um, unless it's in this like specific environment that's been built out. So it's not a full on like announcement around, you know, Epic now integrates with all Web3 <laughs> NFTs. It's not that, but it is a it is a positive step in in what I think people want to see in what you know could be quote unquote the the, the metaverse. Um, and I think you know just the the fact that it's Nike, one of the biggest brands in the world, is doing it is a really positive step. So people are excited. I would say personally, um, while I think it's interesting and I want to watch this, I'm not necessarily that excited about brands that are not like endemic to gaming participating in the gaming space. Um, Nike is a shoe brand. It's an athletics brand. Um, people think it's, you know, definitely part of like, you know, the culture worldwide of you know, streetwear and athletics and, and whatnot. I, I don't think they've played a massive role in esports as far as I know. Um, and I also just don't see like, I, I don't see there being a lot of excitement from gamers to experience what could be, could be seen as basically a glorified advertisement. That's kind of the cynical take on it. Um, I gave you the positive take. This is the cynical take. And again, just personally speaking, I want to see integrations from brands that are more entertainment related. Um, that could be movies, books, um, comics, whatever. And we've seen lots of that from, from Epic Games with um, characters like you know Spider-Man and John Wick showing up inside of Fortnite. But in terms of a brand that sells clothing, not as exciting to me. So that's that's my gut take on it. And uh, yeah, what do you think, Subtle? I, I mean, I, I think the one, just Fortnite as a platform to create these worlds and environments, like that feels like a, the actual bigger story is getting, getting investments at this scale in there and continuing to nurture that. So that could be an interesting thing. That's going to take another couple of years to play out. 
Um, because I, I, I do wonder if, if Fortnite as a platform becomes a, a, a bigger deal over the next couple of years. It already is a pretty large deal. There's a lot of building you can do in that space. Um, so I think that's worth looking at and just keeping in track of from a gaming perspective because it, it, it'll, it, allows, um, it, it allows a simpler and simpler access route to creating experiences. When it comes to the Nike piece, I think there's an angle. Um, so I'm not a car person. Uh, you are a car person. If we play Need for Speed, I want to race. You want to soup it up and pick out what different decals. And there's a lot more depth and thought as to all the mechanics that go into creating the, the, the vehicle um, that you cho- then choose to race. So like ha- three quarters of the, of the game is prepping for the race and what you, you know, all those selections. It's not really the racing, right? Because uh, I'm a simpleton. I just think about the racing. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll give you that. Inversely, uh, I don't think I could ever get you to play FIFA with me. Right. But I can totally understand a, a depth step further. So in FIFA, they have an ability where you are your own character. So you're the guy actually out there playing the sport. Um, and, then it's, and then you slowly learn and develop skills by trying different things. I could very easily see in those types of narrative stories or in a sports environment, which I don't think would be too crazy to add into the Fortnite universe or potentially um, universes that EA has bought all the rights to or new sports. Um, I, I think we, we were just looking at some stuff from Sparkadia today. I think they're, that, that is a sport, the way they've organized that game. Sure. Um, and I think that you could totally see, okay, I have my player and giving him unique looks on the shoes he's wearing, on the pants he's wearing, on the jersey he wears, and potentially even some upgrades and benefits similar to how you soup up an engine by adding a turbo charger to it, or maybe you have a different exhaust valve and that gives you the ability to accelerate at a faster speed. I think that could be applied to athletic accomplishments. And even in like fighting games, like a, like I think of like a shrapnel where you have to like maintain energy levels to keep running in order to get to a place to hide. Well, you could potentially Nike could put some stuff in the game that if you own that stuff, it actually up levels your endurance because it lowers the weight of your gear. I don't think Nike wants to get into making battle vests, but you get my point. Um, I could see it in that angle where they could be the supplier of something that enables athleticism and ability uh, enables not necessarily generates um that's that's a part of the journey and i think that could work i think going to a place that happens to be all nike branded i think it's just what they're stuck with as to how they can cr- try to like start to build proof points on this because right now they, they'd be i mean they've got to be pretty in need of a game partner who's willing to let them embed the way i just described yeah versus i feel like they want to try to create it themselves we saw this with like Nike Fuel Band. They, they tried to create it themselves. They created a market and then no one bought their product a second time because Apple Watch figured out it was a fitness thing. And then Nike just integrated into the Apple thing. So I wonder yeah. if this is more of an action to like prove that, hey, this idea is really cool and then go sell EA, the EA sports team on it. <laughs> yeah, you know it, I mean? it, it could be. And I think there's just like this fine line when it comes to uh, gaming and marketing and you know, towing the line where players basically feel like, okay, Nike's coming in here and and adding to my experience. They're not creating 
something that already existed without the branding, you know, and then also like just basically coercing me into wanting to buy their stuff. And I think right now that what they've presented is actually balancing that very well. Um, but that's how it starts, right? It's like, okay, this works. Now let's up our game. Let's up our game. And, you know, somebody over in the C-suite at Nike says, this is all fun and cool and we're getting lots of press, but how is it selling more sneakers? And then you start to see, you know, a little bit more heavy handed um, marketing inside the game. So that's, that's the TBD. And that's, and that's where like, I, I definitely um, am cautiously optimistic about this kind of thing because ultimately I know, I know how they sold this in internally at Nike and where the end game is going to be. And um, I don't, I don't want to personally get invested in something that I, that I believe is going to go away um, because, you know, the marketing budget gets cut or ultimately just becomes an ad platform. Yeah. This was, this was invented by a spreadsheet, not a creator. I think you're, you're about right on that. Probably. Um, So we'll see. I mean, we'll see again. It's similar to Yugo. We got to sit back and watch and, and take it in and we'll talk about it more in the future. Um, as you might imagine, board, we have now just knocked out 20 minutes. Um, so we are, we are at the end of our, our wonderful podcast recording. Um, is there anything <laughs> oh else my. you to toss in? Um, our third, our third topic, uh, we won't get to today. Uh, we will save that for a, a future conversation. Uh, hint, we're trying to figure out if minting is still going to be a thing in the future. Anyway, uh, before we get into that spicy topic, we're at the end of today's 20 minutes of boredom. Uh, board, thank you so much as always for joining me. Uh, GG. GG.